0: If I may, I would like to make the subject for this evening's talk um, a birthday talk. Uh, Today is uh, April the 22nd. And for approximately one in every 365 of the population, it's their birthday, and I am in that privileged category today, and I should uh, add that I was uh, born in um, 1944, so this makes me 47 years old. I only um, mention that incidentally because I don't want you to spend the rest of this talk speculating. Because I would, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And this morning I telephoned my uh, mother who has just returned from Australia visiting my sister and her family. And my mother is in the north of England at present, which is in fact where I was born, and uh, visiting my aunt and to some degree um, taking care of her. And some time ago, my... um, Mother, in fact, on my 40th birthday, the day after my 40th birthday, since for quite some years now, I've spent my uh, birthday uh, here at IMS. And on my 40th birthday, my mother, after um, an immensely long delay, decided to uh, tell me, uh, rather secretly, I might add, little bit about my um, background and um, origins, and the reason that she had uh, delayed this information to me, and it's not an uncommon situation for others, of course, was because of um, concern uh, with regard to my father, or rather who I was led to believe was my father, who I love very much as my father. And what um, <coughs> transpired was that Um, In uh, April of 1944, I was born on a small farm in the far uh, north of England, my mother was in the uh, women's uh, army at that time, and she went off to Leeds for a a weekend with a young soldier, she was about 22 and he was uh, 25, 26, and and, um, out of This uh, situation, I came into the world, so I have this uh, 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 distinction, as with a number of war babies of that time, uh, of being um, an illegitimate war baby, and of course those of you who are psychotherapists and analysts will say to yourselves, ah, that explains everything. (laughs) 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 And the reason that my mother was so uh, hesitant to uh, um, speak uh, to me was because my father, my father who actually my mother met some five years later, uh, was very, very concerned and very, very worried that if I was told that would dramatically affect my relationship to him he would feel very, perhaps feel very hurt and disappointed and rejected, and he just didn't want anything to be said. Although I knew um, many, many years ago through uh, a simple occurrence, I knew through some feeling, of course, from, from early, early childhood, but knew through very simple evidence, I once found my birth certificate, and there's no name of Titmus on it, and uh, so, so in the circumstances of, um, of that, sometimes we look at our background, our roots, our origins, and there has been, of course, a great deal of uh, reflection and exploration. Particularly, I think, within our lifetime, within the current generation, which does um, actively provide us with, with some insight and understanding into. Our, our past, and sometimes information comes to us, like the source that came to myself, which one was appreciative and grateful for because it does help to give one a greater sense of what we might call self-knowledge or self-understanding. Self, uh, and, and for myself, it's the first time in a, in a talk that I have mentioned uh, the information, because my my mother was, of course, extremely concerned, my father was alive, but my uh, father died um, some uh, 15 months ago, and therefore, in a way, the burden for my mother has been very much uh, lifted, and she feels the opportunity and feels the comfort now to speak about it. And when she first spoke, and she, if you don't mind me um, just speaking a little bit about this, Uh, when she first spoke and her responses uh, to uh, telling me, she said that in the communication, in actually giving me this uh, information which hadn't been communicated in any way at all for 40 years, she said it was like a huge weight which had gone off her mind. She felt an incredible sense of lightness, And she saw, too, that uh, in passing over this information, I understood, and I think as anyone would, how easy a person would want to hold back out of the best of considerations. And it wasn't until this birthday, seven years ago, that this was passed over to me. And I think sometimes in our life, what we experience, and it's not an unusual example of where the carrying of something sometimes, even with the best of intentions, does add a weight, and it adds a weight to life, and perhaps in many, many ways in our family, um, added a weight, I suspect it did, on reflection, to the family situation and all the, the strife and the tensions that took place through my childhood, as well as the childhood of other people here as well. In In that, when we look at our life and we look at the, the flow and the the ebb and flow in a way of the rhythm of our life, we might say, when speaking, we might say, here is my life, I was born into this world in such a time and place and circumstance, I have been significantly, whoever I am, significantly influenced by the pervading circumstances around me, near and far, some circumstances, some people of course, tremendously influential, but not only people, economic circumstances, social, environmental, family, friends, the whole extended network of life having its impact on our consciousness, as well as what we also bring into the world as well, whatever we, as it were, bring into. And all of that dynamic, that interaction, as it were, generates our idea of who we are generates the ideas of this is who I am. And the whole personality structure and all the diversity of our personality structure, so, so extraordinarily diverse, is the makeup, the picture, important this, the picture of who we believe we are, who we imagine we are. And then we look at our life we look at our life today, we look at our life through the days and we see our life is passing by and we see there as it would appear, again it would appear that there is what we call birth, there is what we refer to as death and we feel that as it were intrinsically essentially fundamentally in reality this is the way things really really are. I live, I exist, I spend my existence in and through time, and I will die, and the evidence is shown to me by my eyes, my ears, my knowledge, all my way of relating to the world. And we're very much, in a way, fixed, we might say, with this view. And it seems sometimes almost unshakable, almost an impregnable view of the true reality. Birth, moving in time, going through the pleasures and pains and existences of experiences, ending with death. And this seems sometimes when we feel in this way, it feels as though there's, there's a wall at one end, a kind of another wall at the other. We don't know what went before, We don't know what goes after, no matter what the authorities, scientific or religious, will say, and here we are. Here we are. Sometimes in our life, of course, for various reasons, we do adopt and we are very prone to adopting views which we want to feel comfortable uh, with. And so sometimes we adopt a strictly scientific, rationalistic, materialistic view of life, and that is a view of life, and that one would be that we have one life, for better or worse, this is it, born into this world, live it, die, extinction, finish, that's it. It is a a view of our existence. And sometimes we have another view, a religious view, Sometimes in Western religions, we have this life, we have the one opportunity, and if we are prepared to accept a religious authority, Jesus, Bible, or whatever, out of that we will be resurrected into an eternal plane of uh, peace or bliss. have the Eastern view, very, very common one, and that Eastern view of reincarnation and rebirth. All of these views, sometimes... They just sound very abstract for us. Sometimes they're very deep, important questions for us. And sometimes we're just not sure who or what to believe there. And sometimes one, uh, um, out of a bit of humor, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, one um, puts out these views. And I do remember when my sister's uh, child... Uh, was born, and I was in Gaya, the place where the Buddha was awakened at that time, and I was a monk at the time, and I sent um, a telegram from the village in India to the, the, new, the newborn, which my sister neither understood nor appreciated, <laughs> and it was a, a two-worded telegram, and it said, Welcome back. <laughs> Again, sometimes in the the views of religious and uh, scientific authorities, sometimes this can be a kind of, in a way, self-strong ego or self-assurance of the truth. And sometimes we are quite subjected to being impressionable in this way. And I think sometimes with life, and sometimes in the consideration of life and rebirth, in these general areas, sometimes, there are meditatively and experientially experiences which take place and I've heard many many over the years and seen also in myself which it would appear, it would appear that one can't actually relate the form, the manifestation of the experience to anything familiar, what we call anything familiar in this life of ours. One just cannot relate to those pictures, those images, that story, that event. And even when one can touch that, and one just has a sense of something past, past, long, long past, in a very strange, if not bizarre way, still I say be careful about forming a view. Still I say be careful about saying, oh, that's my past lives, or whatever. And sometimes these views get formed and and there's a whole sense of becoming, and movement, and time, and it tends to perpetuate something. Sometimes in these circles that we move in, when we hear of people, and they say, oh I remember, and I hear it on retreats, I remember in my past life, and it always seems that people are either born in Tibet or Egypt. They must have been the most overcrowded places on the earth. (laughs) So, again, I always feel a certain cautiousness (laughs) about pinpointing and defining and labeling and fixing our view of the past. Life is, I think, somewhat more of mystery than the labels determine. In that, when we give care and, and take interest in our, in our life and the manifestation of our, of our life today, in that manifestation, in what shows itself, we take today, the first uh, full day of these days uh, here together, that in the day, what's been revealing itself to us through the day, what actually has emerged in consciousness, in the state of experience today. What seems to have been the, the theme? What has been highlighted and emerged? In that, whatever it, that might be, and that might just be dullness, it might be cloudiness, it might be an unsettledness, it might be a very strong fantasy, it might be a very uh, noticeable views and opinions about oneself and one's capabilities or... Incapabilities, whatever they might be, and that view itself forms and, and, we, and we say, it when we talk and we say, it when we think and, we, and communicate, this is how I'm experienced today. This is what it's been like for me today. And then, sometimes, and particularly as we saw in the inquiry today, and is an area of insignificant exploration exploration, sometimes we find ourselves in the quietness of things, (coughs) as it were, (coughs) falling back, as it were, falling back on a kind of residue of view. When we kind of shift through all the diversities of our personality and all the things which make us up, we fall back on some residue of opinion, residue of view about ourself. Not necessarily, but quite commonly. Or sometimes, if somebody speaks about us, and, there's, and sometimes we are extremely curious, and I think rather naturally, know, na- naturally so, to want to know what other people think about us. What's their impression of us? And that impression of us it It matters to us, and sometimes, with our friends and people who know us over the over the years, they can say in a one liner what we have been trying to avoid saying to ourselves for years. <laughs> they can see through the way that we busy our life, we entertain ourselves or whatever, and they, they really just see us in a, in a in a different kind of way, and sometimes that pinpoints some of the sticky element that binds self together, that holds self together. Where we fall back on ourself, and that which is very common is the harsh judgmental view of ourself. That one genuinely, and we might say authoritatively, is one which is not easy to dissolve not easy to unpeel, unravel, to see the emptiness of. We have a view, the view of ourselves is critical, harsh, judgmental towards ourselves, we undermine the lack of self-acceptance, the um, sometimes intensified self-hatred, self-loathing, that one becomes a pattern. If we're not occupied, if things are stripped away in terms of our busyness, we we, we face it again again. And one of the terrible tragedies in the advertising world, as one example in the advertising world, is if one looks at advertisements carefully, what one notices again and again with the advertisements which take place, that the product which is offered is being offered to us and it brings with it a message that this will solve our lack of self-esteem. The sense of the lack of self-worth will be resolved by the product. And then we are driven in and through varieties of products. And we know it never, ever, ever, ever done it, does it, and it's a dreadful myth. And to take one example of one particular Product Here I'm sitting on the aeroplane and look in the magazine of the aeroplane and you see the duty-free goods which anybody knows are always more expensive than cheap shops but it's part of the mythology, it is cheaper. Then one looks um, at the contents and then one takes uh, something like perfume, classic perfume. Three of the names of the perfumes one was opium, another was poison, and another was samsara. They don't even, most people don't even know what the word samsara means, but they're probably these advertising New Age wallers think we were probably all Buddhists in our past lives, and somewhere or other we remember this word samsara which means wandering on in suffering from one thing to another. That is the meaning of society. Well, if one feels like that, it's not surprising that one um, um, needs some perfume. (laughs) So the very name of the product itself in a way, easy is a reminder to us poison, opium, samsara. And that then brings, try to get something to cover it up. And this goes on again and again and again. So, so easily, therefore, we say we we, we fill our life up because something called self, in this case negative self-picture, is irritating underneath. And then we have all the difficulty or the problem, in a way, of the wish to resolve this. We look carefully at ourselves. What is this idea, the notion of self, which we get so harsh on? Sometimes we notice how acutely sensitive we are to to this and to the, the, the birth of this, this birth that takes place of this, is that when somebody really harshly criticizes us, really lays the number on us, and none of us can avoid that in life, like that, and the words or the abuse or the language or the cutting remark, whatever it might be, can cut through no matter how well or okay we might feel at the time, can cut through, it can impact deep inside, generate the self which is, feels as it were, bad about itself. And long after the communication has stopped, and the person has unloaded their stuff on whoever it might be, that person who's been on the receiving end then finds themselves feeling horrible, feeling terrible and it's lingering on one day to the next due to the anger, the rage, or the cutting remark which has been directed full force at, at somebody. Self is then in a turmoil in this condition. <coughs> and that turmoil is difficult, as I say, to stay with and then so easily And understandably, our activities, in a way, is to keep steer away from it as frequently as possible. So when one speaks in spiritual language, and not so much in physical language, spiritual language, we talk of birth. We're talking of that kind of birth. That kind of upsurge. And what happens then is that sometimes in that painfulness, what is the desire? What is the main interest? The main interest of that birth is to see its death. One wants to see the death of that pained, hurt (laughs) ego. And sometimes there is a confusion of birth and death And the confusion is birth and death, (coughs) in physical language, it hurts, pains, whatever it might be. And sometimes then we transfer to the physical world what actually we're trying to see the end of is the suffering, the birth of the suffering self. Then, there's a, when one, then one takes interest, one, as it were, scrutinized, takes interest in this sense of me, this sense of I. Who am I? This question which has pursued through the nights and the days, human, caring, thoughtful, concerned human beings. Who am I? And then, as I says, <clears throat> when we touch on this self-undermining self, It seems like, the truth appears like, when we're doing that, that I, my negative thoughts, my negative opinions, are expressing negative thinkings about myself which appears independent from those negative thinkings. So, there is a self, this is me, and I am negative, and I am poor, and I can't do this, and I can't achieve this, and my life is a mess. And I, da, 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 da. And then we go and tell other people, and then we have to spend so much with the therapist to do that. We have to go on retreat mm-hmm. to, to do all of it. In a way, you're saying it's as though there is a self, and the way I think about myself. I want to change the way I think about myself so I think better about myself. And we want to feel good about ourselves. One wonders, one asks, who am I? Is it that there is some self? independent from the thinking self about it? Understand? Or is it that this question of self is not really anything substantial as such, but it's a way of thinking negatively? Is one really thinking about something independent of the thinking? And if so, who's going to show it? Who can show this self independent of the thinking, independent of the negative feeling? who going to who, 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 who bring it out? Who's got it in their lap? So but yet, we, we believe. We believe again and again and again that there's a self, and I'm thinking about myself in this way. And what we say is, there is thinking and thinking and thinking. And all oh, the thinking doesn't make the self any more self. In giving consideration into our the movement of our life and the expression of our life, Our normal thinking, normal thinking, remember, revolutionizing consciousness is to free ourselves from everything which seems true, don't believe it. That is, Dharma teachings. If you think it's true, it's probably a deception. One of the common ones, very common, is the world of becoming. Becoming, becoming. When you're sitting here during the day, we think. Mind is a thinking process, imagining process, and you may have noticed during the day you have been thinking about next week, next month, next year. You're thinking about the things that you would like to do and thinking about the things that you would stop, like to stop doing. Not many choices between the two. And the thinking gets mobilized with us. So it brings the idea, if I continue thinking, and if I follow this through, I will become something different. I will become something different. Where's the evidence? Some of you here have been on numerous retreats, numerous. These days, because IMS has been running for 15 pages, they have a space of about three inches for people to list the number of retreats that they have participated in. Three inches is not enough for some people. Soon it will reach the point where it will be put your name, number of retreats you have done, and then add a couple of pages on because the list will have gone through that kind of length, honestly. Be honest. All the processes of meditation and the becoming that take place in meditation, be honest. Is today so markedly different from the previous retreat? Be honest. Or the one before that, or the one before that, or the one before that regardless of the diversity of the instructions, the diversity of the teachings or whatever. Is it so dramatically different? Sometimes some friends come, and I notice in the small groups today, having been here regularly, and the persons will say to me, this, for those of you who are beginning, this can sound terribly bad news, I have to confess. (laughs) But don't worry. There's a little bit light in the tunnel. We'll just hang on for a few minutes. We'll come to it. <laughs> so sometimes, person, small group situation comes, and the person is relating their, their their state of mind, state of thought today, the confusion, the effort, efforting, cloudiness, whatever it might be, busyness of mind, many many things, and the person may or may not have forgotten. And I may or may not have forgotten. I think, hello, I've heard this one before. Same person, same time, same place, different year. So there's a lot of preoccupation with becoming. There is also, in all of these processes, to be fair to them, I don't want to dismiss them, it also brings... Lots of different kind of changes. But I wonder, I wonder, whether the changes which is becoming are that dramatic, are that significant, be honest. The sensation, which is the measure of change, may and does vary from day to day in our life. We may talk of, I am making dramatic changes in my life. I have made dramatic changes in my life. The sensations may change. But when we just are here today, ordinary day in our life, when we're just here today, honestly, be honest, is the sensation so different? And I think that the willingness and the interest to stop and to ask oneself, is it so different? Doesn't bring, if one really takes an interest in that, doesn't bring about from us, a, oh, I'm just like I was. (laughs) God, done all these retreats, been on these three-month retreats, survived three months of noting, Really. People say this. I'm incredibly sympathetic. <laughs> <coughs> and I've done all this, and I've done all that, and I've done all the things which are uh, avail- available. Is it that when we say, perhaps things haven't changed so much, haven't changed so dramatically, that it's not such bad news? Maybe in a way it's whispering to us, it's intimating to us, that perhaps the preoccupation and the obsession sometimes with becoming, I becoming something better, actually isn't so inherently true and valid as we imagine. Perhaps it isn't in the way that we think. Perhaps our life doesn't change that significantly as we imagine, as the picture we have about personality. We see, we get a little bit a little bit older, we don't see perhaps so clearly our eye, our ears, whatever, our nose, uh, our tongue, the body, the mind thinks, we feel, we observe. Perhaps in that ordinariness is Not such a change. What would it be to begin to acknowledge it? Therefore the whole composition of what we call personality, the pictures, the stories, the images, the so-called personal history, is really a kind of story. As much a story that one finds in the book. And perhaps our so-called little story, I was born here and I did this and I did that and I became this and I became that, perhaps in a way, that of course that story is there, but perhaps that's not what we're here for. The story is not what we're here for. We're here to see through the story. Finish the story. Finish the becoming. Finish it means, of course it plays. It plays in its own wonder and diversity. However, we know a story when we see it. We know a story as a story. And everybody has their story. Everybody is a story. When I say, who am I? I am a story. I gave you a, a story of the beginning of my life. Is there that which is profoundly more significant than our personal story? far bigger than the personal story defined by what one calls birth, by what one calls death, but in fact there's no birth nor death and therefore funeral service is part of the story. So sometimes I may say with myself, Myself, what does that mean? I never did find out. So sometimes I say of myself in conventional language, like I was speaking at the beginning period of the talk, I was born here in these uh, circumstances. (coughs) My mother told me that when I was born, for a 24-hour period, she was quite blind, something in the process of, of the birth, something occurred and she just for 24 hours she just couldn't see, couldn't see me. And when she told me this story, I thought, well, I've got off to a good start there, and I, my mother's gone blind. <laughs> Maybe the therapist thinks, will say, that's why he's trying to get people to see. <laughs> <laughs> So there's part of the recollection, we say, in which I have been told by my uh, good mother of my beginnings of my personal story. I uh, I have no, of course, recollection in it. I have faith that this is how my story began at this time, 1944, April. But... What if there's an, o- an awareness and a, re- a recognition that the story is really the entertainment of life? The drama and the comedy and the pathos and all of that is all there and yet one says, well, yes, that may be so, but somehow that isn't it. What would, what would be our way of being in the world if we're not concerned with the story, not rejecting it, not denying it, appreciating it, acknowledging it, the becomings that go on with it, yet somehow or other not concerned, not knowing when the last chapter is, we' not concerned about it? We're not going to be able to going to be able to say at the last chapter, "Oh." The story's over. Oh my God. All we will know is the story. I don't think we know, we have a sense, have an intimation that whatever this is, it's much bigger than the personal story, much, much bigger. And then our language and our stories fall short. We sense it, it falls short. Something which the story can never hope to get close to. And therefore, that which we, as it were, the story can't get close to is such that it's not of birth and death. May all beings see into the story of life. May all beings see into the nature of things. (coughs) May all beings discover the heart's awakening. So let's have two or three minutes quiet period, shall we please?